Welcome to Welcome to the Gun Show. I am joined by Garrett. Hey, everybody. And Derek. Hello, everybody. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about uh, planning out your 2021 shooting uh, career or disciplines or progression. Uh, things to consider when doing that and uh, perhaps some goal setting, uh, specifically from Gaz's side, because he's the master of this stuff, uh, on, on how to set goals that are good to work towards in 2021 with your shooting. Okay, so when, we, when we're looking at starting at a, a new year, we normally look at it with a, a new perspective. Uh, I think that's why many of us look so forward to getting into a new year. We get tired near the end. We want it to end to the new one. And then we, we have that new perspective. So at the beginning of the new year, just before that, you want to start planning out what you're going to do and achieve in the next year, whether that's for work, personal goals. And for us, what we're going to discuss is shooting. And what you want to try and work out first of is actually what you want to get out of the sport, what you want to put in. So you, you need to work out what your sort of pay value is going to be for that. What do you want to put in and what do you want to receive out of it? And there's nothing wrong with whether the fact is that you want to start competing much better at a national level. Maybe you want to start competing in the top five, potentially winning nationals, or whether you just want to become more proficient with your shooting and start progressing through your club shoots and becoming better and better at, at your score, um, at your normal fundamental skills. So that's where you need to start. You need to work out what you want to get out of it and what you can put into it realistically, whether that's time-based or whether it's going to be financials-based. I don't know what... Yeah what you guys would start with, what you think. Yeah. So I, I think that's a, that's an important place to start. And I, I think something that has to be added to that is that those two things need to match. If your goal is to compete in the top five at nationals, like you said, in whatever division you're shooting, your input into achieving that goal is going to have to be at a similar level to that. Um, you yeah. can't, be training for one club shoot a year or calling your one club shoot a year, your training uh, and expect to make your top five at nationals in your division uh, goal. Unless you're shooting revolver. <laughs> Cause there might be two of you, <laughs> but they probably won't be. <laughs> I mean, the chances be. of there being five are so slim that you're almost guaranteed a top five finish. Just no one's really going to care. That's why I like playing classic. Just saying. Because <laughs> those top 10 finishes are actually. It's a I bit mean, bigger than that. At, at, at one point, at, at least in, in North Gauteng, it was literally impossible to not finish in the top 10 because there was really 10 dudes 10 on the logs. Well, <laughs> look. It was literally impossible. It's also why I shoot modern shotgun, right? Because uh, it doesn't yeah. matter how, how much or how little I do, I'm probably going to be one of only one dude shooting that, that match. So. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the wrong answer. It should be that it's not last. That's why you shoot modified. I would shoot modified more for 14 rounds, though, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do like the 14 rounds. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's going to be nice. I, I would I would start this at an even more basic level. Um, I think f for a lot of you out there, and we've had a show about this before, but you've probably been saying for the last month, six months, five years, 20 years, that one day you want to start shooting competition or training a bit more seriously or whatever. Um, and step one is do that. So if 
if your thing was one day you want to start competition, don't worry about when you're good enough because as long as you're not going to shoot anyone accidentally, you're fine. Um, go find a match, be it an IDPA club shoot, an IPSC club shoot, a steel challenge, uh, whatever. Um, wamble along, register for a match, and go shoot it. Um, because that is, in, in a lot of ways, as worthy a goal as wanting to win the nationals and, and a much easier one. Uh, from there, you can start worrying about other stuff. But if, 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 if you've been sitting on the fence about that, step one of your plan is go find a match to shoot in January. Um, you know, it's if it's a club shoot, it's not going to require thousands and thousands of rounds. So most of them, you can go buy three boxes of ammo at your local gun shop and instead of, you know, fucking around and shooting it in a quarry or, or banging it off an indoor shooting range, go find a match. Um, and, you know, like, if you're in Joburg, places like Spartan have, like, two-stage club matches on a Tuesday or Wednesday night or something. It, it, it uh, doesn't have to be anything dramatic. Yeah, this is on a Thursday, and uh, Gunnar Arms has, uh, I think, Wednesdays they do something right. similar. So, fine. Even if it's one of those, even if that's what you do as your first, is your first match, that's fine. Um, go and if you, you know, if you come absolutely last, the good news is there's nowhere down from there. Um, so don't worry about the results. Don't worry about anything like that. Just go there and have a good time. Um, and I think that's. Uh, that's an important thing, and, and, and I think it's something we probably have to reiter reiterate quite a bit because people are always making excuses. People are, um, you know, oh, yeah, one day, one day. That, that's a great goal. Uh, and we've said it before. No one cares how you do as long as you're safe. So if you want to practice a little bit more, then you know what? Maybe you're off this weekend. Maybe you can find, an, uh, well, this next weekend because of time travel. But you know what we mean, um, you know? Maybe, maybe if you're not shooting at all, maybe go to the indoor shooting range and buy a box of ammo and go shoot it. Um, if you're going to the indoor shooting range and shooting a box of ammo every so often, take that box of ammo and go to a match and shoot it. Um, you know, those those are, are great places to start. And, you know, after 2020, we don't know what's going to happen in 2021. So if there are matches, go find them. Go shoot them. Um, get get involved. Get 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 excited, motherfucker. I can't remember what movie that was. Oh, it's Boondock Saints. Pack your shit. Get excited. Uh, <laughs> Rob. Get your I, I agree completely with T. The problem with one day is that one day is never the day that you want it to be. So if you don't choose it to be today, then you're never going to do it. If you just knuckle down and go do it, you probably find you enjoy it a hell of a lot. doesn't really matter where you place. Just no. get involved, go and shoot. You'll enjoy it. You'll get an idea on your skills and what you want to do going further. And then if we tie back to Korn's earlier statement, where you're looking at the ratios of, of your goal, something to keep in mind is that once you've, once you've decided or once you've preliminary thought about a goal, no matter how big or small it might be according to people's minds, you need to sit then and work out a schedule and basically budget whether you can afford number one, the time, 
And number two, the money to achieve that goal. Is it something that you can dedicate that time to? And along with doing that budget, you want to be working on a schedule that you can keep, like we've discussed in previous episodes. So that's that's something to tie into what Corn said earlier. Yep. So I'm I'm going to interject something here because I want to go back to to T's statement about uh, starting now. Uh, There's that meme about the dudes going, "What do we want to do?" And then one goes, "Stop procrastinating." And then one of them screams, "When do we want to do that? Monday." (laughs) And then another one screams, "Yeah." Today is Monday. They go, next Monday. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how stuff gets away from you because next Monday is always going to be more convenient than starting to do that shit today because stuff's hard. Uh, Jokes aside, I can't remember who told it to me years and years ago um, because I'm not averse to some procrastination. Um, I was going to go to a meeting, but I'll get around to it. Um, (laughs) When is the best day to start something new? Yesterday. Yeah, yeah you know, it, it's, it's the it's, second best day today. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And if it's not today, you probably won't do it. Today is not the best day. Yesterday, yeah. Yeah, if, it's, yeah exactly. if, if you didn't do it yesterday. And that, that's where the challenge comes in. So. I mean. <laughs> voice again. Yeah, robot voice again. We weren't sure if you were done or not because you were stuck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, back to uh, to the to, to the budget thing that that Gaz mentioned. Um, time can be a big thing if you set uh, exceptionally challenging goals. Um, money can be a problem, but if we look at Jay and and go listen to our shows that we've done with Jay. He does amazing things with little ammo. So little in the way of money expenditure, but a hell of a lot in terms of time dedication. Um, Can you do that the other way around and just shoot a lot of ammo and not dedicate a lot of time? Probably not because you're just going to be making loud noises, not learning. Um, Somewhere in the middle is probably a good place to be for most people, Um, which means you're going to need to realistically dedicate time that is appropriate for the goal that you set for dry fire. And you will need to allocate time that is appropriate to the to the goals that you've set for live fire and obviously the, the budget that goes with that in terms of ammo cost. Um, that's probably why it's not a good idea to go, I am Mr. McD class because I started on the f- 9th of January because Terry said I have to go find the first match and having the goal of being the national champion that same year. Um, that's not a realistic goal for most people. Um, Derek's smiling. <laughs> was that hunger bait? <laughs> yeah. So, um, setting realistic goals is, is important. Stretch goals are great. Um, but if you're setting goals that you are never going to achieve, you're going to end up demotivating yourself. Uh, so it's probably a better idea to set something that is a bit of a stretch, but something that you can actually work towards and possibly attain. Guys, does that uh, make sense? Oh yeah, no, that does make sense. And then one thing on top of that is don't just make one goal. So make two goals and your first one, you, all of your goals should be obtainable within reason. They shouldn't be super easy, but they should have some sort of challenge to it. But if they're unobtainable or unattainable, that's going to be a bit of a detrimental process and it's it's not going to be an easy one to get through. But when you make your goals, make a backup or a new goal to replace the goal that you're going to currently be working on or the primary goal. That will keep your momentum going throughout that. So keep 
keep replenishing your goals and don't just rest up on it once you start achieving it. So important question on that. And I don't need to have your exact goals, Gaz. Uh, but do you have an example of two goals that stack on top of each other like that? Doesn't have to be yours. So it's it's going to be a little bit dependent on what you want to do. But typically what I'm going to work with on, on the average year is I'm going to work with all three nationals being a specific goal, normally outcome based, but I'm working with a process to attain that goal. So my primary focus is, yes, for example, I would like to win this nationals. That's my goal. But if I don't apply this process, I can't attain that goal. If you know yes. what I'm saying. And then this, the same thing applies. So in an average year, I've got three nationals. Those are my three goals. Okay. So you, you start Those are my three with... biggest goals. And then I've got other sub goals that I'm working towards as well. So your goals list or your goals table can get fairly complex, but it's easily manageable. You shouldn't overwhelm yourself with goals. Okay. So you, you're taking the first nationals and you're saying, I want to finish in the top three in my division. Um, and then your secondary goal, the one that replaces that one directly after that goal is no longer worked upon. So the date has passed. So whether you've made it or not, we're going to leave that off the table. Uh, but once the date has passed to, to have that goal done, you replace it with the next nationals and a, a similar or perhaps a different goal for that national. So top three in this one, I want to be top two in that one. And by the, the last one, I would like to finish in the pole position, something like that. Yeah, you could work with something similar to that. So let's say, for example, if you get to that first nationals and you don't attain the goal that you wanted, after that, you're going to basically ask yourself why and go through that process of elimination of why you didn't attain that. And then the reasons why become your, your newer sub goals. Okay, I need to work on these things and continue working on those things. And they become your sub goals as you work your way and progress yourself up to the next bigger goal that you set. That's sort of the system that I'm running. Okay, so if we take that um, I will, I will, away, sorry, T, wait. I just I want to caveat that before we go too far, because I'm I'm worried about people getting themselves in trouble. Yeah, that's be, be very very careful of goals like that. Gaz is in a position where not only can he have goals like that, but he needs goals like that. Yeah. Um, you know, Gaz Gaz is a national champion, has won multiple nationals, that sort of thing. He he's in a position where he can he can think like that because he kind of needs that. Um, but I'd be very careful about that sort of thinking because you can't you know if if, if you're as Steve calls the chubby McSee class um, if 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 you're a fifty percent shooter and your goal is to beat your buddy. Um, that's that's well and good, but understand you can't control it. So you need to be very careful. You know, yes, I robot voice because all I'm seeing is Harambe faces. Yeah, keep going. We, we we understood what you said. So, better robot voice, you, not an issue. Don't worry, God told me. So you can just what I'm saying is it's it, it's one of those things that can get really easy to to hurt yourself with where you go. I'm going to beat George. I'm going to this match to beat George. And George has a really good match. And he beats you. And now all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's not a goal you can control. Um, so Gaz's goals make perfect sense for where Gaz is. Um, if Eric, I'm going to stop shooting, he'd, he'd be stupid. Um, 
But, you know, for Gaz to go, he, he wants to win the national championship. That makes really, really good sense. Um, for you listening to this, it may be to make fewer scored errors. It might be to make fewer unscored errors. It might be to actually practice. It might be to actually dry fire or, or something like that. So I, I just, as I say, I just, I, it, it, you know, there's the whole shoot for them, you know, shoot for the stars and you might hit the moon, but you also need to be careful of sort of that diet logic of I'm going to stop eating, you know, I'm, I'm going to start eating healthy. Oh shit. I ate a, a chocolate diet. Be fucked. I'm not going to eat whatever I want. Um, spot the fat guy. Uh, so <laughs> Just make sure that you, you apply that sort of cleverly to, to where you are. Sort of inward-focused goals are, are probably going to be a, a better solution for most people. Um, yep. So yeah, super Gaz, beneficial. It, it's different. Yeah. So, so that's exactly where I want to go with that. Well, that's sort of where I want to go with this. So I was going to say that now that we've got – sort of top-level shooter goal examples. Those aren't the goals that you, you should be setting, but examples. Um, if we bring that down to a level where we've got the dude who isn't just starting, he isn't shooting his first match on the 9th of January. He shot a handful of matches in 2020, um, the ones that were actually allowed. Um, and he n- now is looking to improve T. <laughs> I hope that didn't hit you. Um, fucking hit me hard. Jesus. You're right. You throw this thing out the fucking window. <laughs> uh, so, dude shot a couple of matches. He's now looking at doing better in 2021, shooting whatever discipline he's shooting. Um, examples of good goals for those guys. Uh, one would probably be to, to as a stop, not, not a goal, but a task that you should do is you should be grabbing the calendar for your sport and you should be selecting matches that you're going to be shooting. Get those in your diary right now or as soon as you can and make sure that you commit to attending those matches on those days. Um, think things that are, are unforeseeable sort of excluded, but try and go to those matches. It'll give you something to one, look forward to to uh, train for and work towards, um, it's a it's a good base on which you can go and set your goals. Yeah, and I think also uh, I think one of the, the key factors. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the key factors on to to carry on from what Corn said there is if you if you're selecting those matches that you're going to commit to, something to keep in mind is that those are going to be they they can essentially be considered goals. And your goal for going to that match, for example, could be applying your process. You know, if you've already got some sort of foundation in the sport and understanding, it could just be something as far as applying your process. Yeah. So that is something that, that uh, you can definitely set as a goal and, and work towards um, applying the process. Now, we have covered the process in some previous episodes um, where we spoke about uh, having some sort of focus phrase that you can work from. Um, and that you can, you can focus on and something that is, uh, within your control. So not something external, not something that's going to mess you around when you're trying to actually do stuff, uh, at a match. Yeah. And that's, that's going to be more specifically based on when you're going to the match. That's maybe not sort of, it should be part of your preparation. 
or something, but it's it's going to be more specific to how you're wanting to perform before you get to a match or when you get to a match. So guys, if you're a brand new shooter and you're, you're starting out 2021, first you're owning a handgun and uh, you want to start improving skill, would you start off um, setting some goals uh, in, in terms of skills you wish to learn this year and then seek out instruction or, or instructors who can help you um, learn and solidify those skills and then start working on them on your own? Or would you start working on um, some form of standard-based drill, setting a baseline for what you're capable of at the moment, and then setting some goals uh, and, and some, some specific focus areas for you to improve those going forward? So that's, for me, that's a little bit of a tricky question to answer. Um, when you first start out and you're brand new, let's say you've maybe shot one match and now you've realized that you want to get better at it, you want to get more invested in the game. You've obviously got no idea at this point what you could be doing better and maybe what you're actually doing wrong. You just know that you need to improve. So my recommendation would be to seek out good instruction that can get you put on the right path. Uh, and normally with those good instructors, someone like Tarek, they can put you in good stead with, with really good fundamental skills and they can give you a good breakdown on how the game works and get you ahead in that as well. So you can be working on all of these different things at the same time. And naturally what happened with me was when I started shooting, I started doing research to find out how I could do a bit better. I didn't, I wish I had, but I didn't seek out the instruction like I should have to get back onto that. I got quite a lot of help from some of the club members where I started, which also put me in a great part. So it was a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But my recommendation, if you've shot your first match, you want to improve is definitely to seek out good training. Yeah. And obviously if you're going to seek out good training, um, you need to, now or as soon as possible start figuring out who the instructors on your shortlist are um figuring out how to find their course dates um so that you you will be on the list of people who get notified when those courses are coming up so that you can plan and make sure that you can attend and it would probably also be a really good idea to figure out round count and cost um for those courses now so that you can budget for them and be ready when they come around instead of having to go, sorry, dude, I'd love to attend this course, but unfortunately timing doesn't work out. Or I'd love to attend this course, but unfortunately I can't afford to do it right now. Um, we see it all the time where, where guys have to drop off of courses because uh, life happens. Uh, and if you can be on a list with an instructor where they can go, our course is sold out, but you're on the list uh, for people to get notified. So if someone drops out of the course, we can shoot you an email or WhatsApp or whatever, and uh, and you can maybe drop into a course if you're prepared to do that. Uh, it's a really good idea to, to start getting uh, in contact with instructors you wish to, to, to train with. Um, that'll help you uh, actually get access to courses as opposed to uh, finding out about them sort of three days after they fill up. Yeah, and I think the, the other thing that we, that also something that we might have missed is that more often than not, if you go to a new club and you're shooting your first match, you're going to be with some guys and one thing to do there while you're there is you obviously want to look at what other guys are doing. You want to understand the game a little bit better, but don't be afraid to ask questions. More, more often than not, guys are going to put you in the right direction. They might give you some pointers, either valid or not so valid at the time, but they'll put you, they'll give you some sort of advice that you can work with and, and towards you can find out about instructors from them more often than not as well. 
So asking questions and talking to people is also a good point at, or good idea at the matches. Occasionally you'll get squatted with, uh, with, with really competent shooters who are, are willing to assist. Um, good idea to try and, uh, if you can, this, this isn't always within your control. Uh, but if you can find guys who are willing to help you and you can start, um, if you have the, the, uh, the matches on your calendar so you can keep an eye out for when the registration's open, you can generally, if you're quick enough, hop into a squad with people who you uh, enjoy shooting with and who are willing to uh, not teach you, but, but willing to provide some input on your match performance and, and what you're doing um, throughout the match. That's a great thing to do. Uh, it's a good way of fast tracking your performance, shooting with people who are uh, greater skilled than you and have the ability to convey information in a way that that helps. Uh, it, it doesn't help shooting with, well, it doesn't help. You're not going to progress because of the shooters you're shooting with if they're all at the same level that you are or below your level. Um, you're also not going to progress because of the shooters you, you shoot with um, if you are shooting with the greatest shooter in the country. And this is not a specific person. This is just an example. So it could be any country. But you're shooting with the greatest shooter in the country, but they're unable to 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 convey information. They're They're capable of doing stuff really well. But they can't say, hey, dude, your draw's a little bit shit because you're doing X, Y, or Z. Um, they can just go, well, your draw is shit. That, that doesn't really help you. So if you could identify guys at your local club or the matches that you're attending regularly where they have those skills and they're willing to, to share them, um, getting on the matches a little bit earlier in, in, in the time frame so you can squad with them potentially is, is a really good way of fast-tracking your performance um, or at least giving yourself a little bit of a leg up on just to make sure to avoid negative goals. Don't go to matches with the thought in your head, I'm here to not get DQ'd. Because there's no way to picture not getting DQ'd. All you can do is picture getting DQ'd. And it's a little bit like driving to work and going, my goal this morning is not to get smeared all over the road. Um, that's kind of a given. Safe gun and DQ's are generally results of unsafe gun handling. Um, so safe gun handling should be a given. Um, if you have issues with that, you need to you need to brush that up before you touch any more guns. Um, but uh, that's something to be to be aware of. I speak to guys all the time at matches who like, especially the first matches, and I keep telling them, I'm, I, my only, you know, I just I'm here to not get DQ'd. I'm here to not get DQ'd. Uh, that's it's not fun. Um, And if anything, it's more dangerous. So, you know, go there rather with a positive goal of I'm here to be safe, um, but be be very, very careful of, of that sort of trap. Uh, it also then sometimes spreads where you have entire squads of guys who are just happy to shoot a match without getting DQ'd. And 10 years later, they're still shooting exactly the same. They're just happy not to get DQ'd too often. Yeah, that's like that thought. That thought of I'm here not to get DQ'd is like a virus. You can't you can't believe how it spreads through competitors. That's a good point to avoid negative goals. You can't visualize the negative. Always remember that. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so, T-Bag, back to the uh, to the to the brand new shooter who who wants to uh, improve this year. So they're not brand new to owning guns. They they did some stuff in in 2020. The little bit they could. Uh, if we take competitive shooting off the table, so if we're just talking improving fundamentals or, or getting better as a shooter, um, what sort of things would you 
think would be worthwhile adding to your schedule and and uh, prioritizing in your goals? Things like shooting standards, perhaps, or if you haven't done it, seek out uh, competent training, um, and that doesn't necessarily involve getting all fucking jocked up with all sorts of cool guy shit and rolling on the ground doing parachute landing falls if you can't shoot a gun straight. In fact, doing that if you can't shoot a gun straight is very, very stupid. Um, so try and find competent training. Uh, you you should, at, at sort of reasonable handgun distances, be able to put a shot where you want it before you worry about anything else. Uh, when you go to the range, shoot groups. Um, I think we've discussed it before. Uh, but... The problem with all of this is people think that they can watch uh, they can watch some YouTube videos and then go to the range and somehow shoot their way well. And often all that happens then is that you you reinforce bad techniques. So um, a good one Larry Vickers likes to do is if you are, for example, shooting a group and you pull a shot. So you give the old El Snatcho and, and, and pull the gun out and as I say, that doesn't have to be soul-destroying. You can do that at seven meters. Um, and you hoi one out of the X-ring down into the seven low and left, unload the gun, five perfect dry fires. Sights on the middle of the X-ring. When the gun clicks, sights are still on the X-ring. Load it up again, fire the shot. If that next shot's out, unload it, five perfect dry fires. It's not fun, um, but if your goal is, is to improve, you need to do the not fun stuff. Um, as opposed to the fun stuff, I like that. Just um, stuff. That that also helps with the uh, the ammo cost while trying to improve, and also kills the urge to just uh, well that was a seven, so I'm now going to shoot splits twice as fast because I have to make up for that seven, and then just reinforcing bad habits and getting progressively worse as a result. I like that. I I hadn't seen Larry do that before. I mean, you've obviously been a course with him, so I wouldn't have seen it, but I mean that's. That's a pretty cool thing. I like that. And and related to that is practice stuff you suck at. Um, stuff that realistically fits into to what you need to do. So if, if you're a if you're a defensive minded shooter, I, I wouldn't spend a huge amount of time working on twenty five meter weekend only headshots. Um, I, I sometimes get you guys get a little bit carried away with 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 sort of less realistic stuff, um, but. You know, quite a, quite a nice sort of test on that sort of thing is do a dot torture at three meters and then look at that target and, and look at what, what does it tell you? Did, you? did you shoot the first dot, which you stand on your hind legs and shoot five shots? Did you shoot that reasonably well? If you didn't, then you, you know what you need to work on for now. So if... If you shoot that first dot at three meters and you've got four out of the five shots um, outside of the um, outside of that that dot, well, don't even worry about the rest of the dot torture. Um, spend the rest of that ammo shooting little groups in those dots um, and pull the shot out the dot. And as I say, not three meters, three meters, not ten meters, three meters. Um, and you'd be surprised how often you don't shoot a 50 out of 50 at three meters. So shoot the first dot if that doesn't give you the result that, that you want. And everyone throws a shot from time to time. But as I say, if, you, if you're consistently missing it more than you're hitting it, 
then that's giving you some information. Um, if you then get to the second dot, which is draw and fire single shots, uh, and now you've gone from having acceptable hits in, in, in dot number one, and now you, you're throwing more out of that one, well, you know what to work on. If you do the whole thing and it's pretty good, but the strong hand only or the weak hand only dot has one hole in it or no holes in it, well, that's a skill that needs a little bit of practice. So that's quite a nice, and, and, and a couple of things with dot torture. Time is irrelevant. It's, it's a visual patience exercise and a fundamentals exercise. So don't worry about, oh, well, you know, corn shot 50 out of 50, but and I shot 30 out of 50, but I did it in half the time, so it was better than him. No, if corn shot 50 out of 50 and you shot 30 out of 50, the timing is irrelevant. Um, he, he, he did the drill better than you. Um, but that's, if, if you're kind of trying to do a bit of self-development, um, that's quite a useful sort of challenge or a useful sort of series of, of skills to work on because it's going to give you info. It's a two-inch dot, so it's quite a challenging target. That's why we start at three meters. Um, once you can clean it, uh, so once you can shoot, and, you know, and, and once again, it doesn't have to be a case of every time you shoot it at, at three meters, you're getting 50 out of 50. But if you can consistently sort of start cleaning it to or close to three meters, then you can look at moving back to four meters um, and then to five meters. But what, what, what hurts people a lot with that sort of exercise is their ego because they want to go, well, I'll, I'll do this at seven or 10 meters. Um, I'll tell you what, I can't clean a 10 meter dot torture, um, not with a pistol, maybe with a shotgun. Um, <laughs> and that I'll have 50 holes in circles after 50 shots. There might be other holes, but there'll be 50 holes in circles. Um, but work on that. You know, you've, you've got, if, if you're going to try and train on your own, it's really difficult. And, and one of the most difficult things with it is being brutally honest with yourself. Um, because we don't like to kind of look at the stuff we struggle with. We, we like to give ourselves excuses and we like to go do the shit that we're good at that's fun, um, which is the, for, for a lot of people, it's the rip the gun out as fast as you can and see how quickly you can make holes on that great big brown thing in front of you. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's not going to make you any better. Um, once again, it needs to be balanced with practical uh, for what you're doing, whether that's a defensive shooter, a, a competition shooter. If you're an IDPA shooter, you need to, cons it, it, it's more important that you can hit the zero points down. You know, if, if, if it's taking you two seconds to put two in the zero points down and two and a half seconds to put one in the, or one and a half seconds to put one in the zero points down, one in the one down, well, your score is going to be worse on the latter. So, it's understanding that balance. If you're an Ipswich, you know, if you're an Ipswich, we can't shot unless the, the guy who's designed the matches is trying to fuck with you. <clears throat> um, but it's it's working the skills that that if if shotgun something that's near and dear to my heart. If you go to a match and you're upset because there's a, a, a an option three start an empty an empty gun start. You're looking at this wrong. If you go to a shotgun match and there isn't an option three start, that's when you should be upset because that's one of the skills we, we need. We don't shoot slugs at 100 meters. We don't lie on the ground and roll around on the ground and shoot shotguns. What we do do those, we need to be able to load them as, as, as an example. So if that's missing, then 
you, there's something missing in, in, in your skill set. Yep. Makes sense. Uh, just on the dot torture thing with time not, not mattering, um, I've, I've seen a fair number of dot torture shot and I've shot some myself. Um, where most people fall out the bus on those, um, ignoring strong hand and weak hand only, is the moment that they are given the opportunity to shoot doubles. So that's two on this, two on that, um, guys just start ripping. Doesn't matter. Two rounds on that dot, two rounds on the next dot, no one's measuring the splits in between. Um, that's where a lot of people fall out the bus. That two inch dot is a really difficult target, even when you're aiming and, and taking enough time to make that shot happen. Um, if you're just going papa, papa, you're looking at that target and going, what am I doing wrong? Isn't even going to help you because what you're doing wrong is the exercise and not the shooting skill. So pay attention to that stuff. B8s. Yeah. And not you're a 25 not shooting meters. A lot of, well, if you can shoot them at 25 meters, that's good. Yes. Once you can, uh, yes. If, if, if you're shooting all X's at five meters, it's time to move back. Um, if you're shooting somewhat at the paper at 25 meters, uh, it's time to move closer. Um, but B8s are, because you can't bullshit them. You know, it's like a timer. Um, and, and sort of as a bit of a segue from that, if, if one of your goals is, need, is, is to get faster, you need a timer. Um, if you're interested in any sort of practical shooting score sport, so, or, or, or practical shooting, so whether it's defensive shooting, um, IPC, IDPA, steel challenge, whatever, you need a timer. Um, the timer app on your phone is shit. Um, you need a proper timer. It doesn't need to be a 50 million rand super death ninja thing that talks to your cell phone and the tablet and tells your car that you've finished for the match and it must start the aircon. Um, but it needs to be something that can reliably and accurately pick up gunshots. Uh, because in your dry fire and your live fire, I can't remember who said it, it was someone much cleverer than me, but trying to get faster without a timer is like trying to get more accurate without shooting a target. Um, you you can't, you don't know what fast is. You don't. You do. What feels fast doesn't mean a thing. What looks fast doesn't mean a thing. You may feel like you just ripped it, and you look at the timer, and it goes, uh, "Sorry." Um, you may feel like things are pretty slow. Yeah, exactly. You, you may do the exercise. I've had it where I'm like, "Okay, I've been trying to rip this really fast. I'm just going to try and like get the the mechanics of this down." And it comes in quicker. Um, no, I'm not saying slow is smooth. Fuck off with that. Um, but smooth but is what the top. <laughs> I'm going to take Tim Heron in that one. <laughs> yes, hi, Tim. It was, it was Gaz who said that shit. Uh, <laughs> he also said my talks are ugly. Um, <laughs> no. It's, it's not about slow, smooth, or any of that other bullshit. It's, it's that, as I say, you, you may do something that, that feels really good, and, and it may not have been as quick as you thought. Um, and I've had discussions with guys who are like, you know, I shoot this gun better. Okay, wh why? No, 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 no I, I'm faster. Oh, what, what's the – no, I don't, I don't have a timer. I just shoot it faster. Well, shooting 30 splits with a, a Glock 43 – feels faster than shooting 20 splits with a shadow two. 
because um, there's more shit happening. Uh, so get a timer, get get some decent targets, and 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 also catch the targets when you shoot them. Uh, don't just I see guys go to the range they shoot two hundred rounds at a target. It looks it it's just it looks like it's got measles, um, and there's no. There's, there's no way of knowing what shots were what. Uh, you know, patch them. Even if you just, like, if you if you sort of negatively patch where you tape everything except A-zone hits or with those little printout B8s on A4 pieces of paper and just keep replacing those, keep yourself accountable. Yeah, I, I quite like replacing targets. Um, I'm not really a fan of patching them. Um, it's a good thing to patch them if you're shooting, like, EPSIC targets and things uh patch them it's going to work out a lot cheaper uh but i like with b8s and stuff that i print out i'll shoot it and then just stick up a new one uh, saves a lot of sort of hassle and uh sort of un- unneeded time wastage trying to patch a target that could just be like stick up a new one sort that out so talking about timers um which is equipment uh do you guys plan out and do you recommend that guys plan out um, equipment purchases throughout the year? And I'm talking big equipment purchases. So if you're starting to shoot more, would you say, well, get a date on your calendar right now by when you would like to have saved up enough money to acquire your Dylan? Um, would, would you start considering that stuff really early in the year and then work towards it throughout the year? Or uh, you guys like me, where you go, uh, I need that. So I'll get that. I didn't know this thing existed 15 minutes ago and now I can't live without it. Here's my credit card. Um, yes, yes, don't ever take financial advice from me. Uh, uh, I think I'm, I'm pretty much the same as you guys. If I need it, I'll make a plan to get it. It's not always viable and I can make what I have work unless it's like really, really urgent and I'll make a plan. Um, but that's sort of how I do it. If I need it, I'll get it now. It's not something I normally plan for. Unless I know I'm missing that piece of equipment, then I've got to go and get it. Or if that piece of equipment I had broke, then I need to go and get it, you know? So a little bit of that. I don't plan for much. And I think that's maybe because I've, I'm fairly well equipped now with what I have. And now it's just a case of maintaining everything that I have. Yeah, exactly. Um, prices are on the increase for pretty much everything. So even if you are like us and you just go, I need that and I need it now, um, you may still need to do a little bit of pre-planning for, for this upcoming year. Um, not just because of the finances, but also because of stock availability. Um, you may want to get onto a waiting list for, for certain items where there's going to be limited quantities coming in and extended sort of time frames. Um, get in touch with a retailer, get on the list. Uh, if it's truly something that you need, and you, you should be spending money on and getting. I, I do think it's a good idea to prioritize purchases in some sort of order. Um, you know, if, if if you've got three pistols, two ARs, and two shotguns, and you haven't bought a press yet, and you're not shooting because you can't afford a decent press, um, don't get ready to buy another pistol. Um, you know that that that's one of those things I come across quite often. Uh, you know, some people have money, some people have time. Very few people have both. Uh, so if 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 I, I know guys who it doesn't make sense for them to reload because their time is more valuable than the time spent on the press, then don't buy a reloading press if you're never going to use it because then you just, you know, buy 25,000 rands worth of ammo. Um, if, uh, but you, 
and and considering what I do for a living, this is a bit of a shocking statement, but you almost definitely don't need yet another gun if you don't have a decent press and that sort of thing. Um, you know, if if you don't have a gun, there's no point buying a reloading press. It's really nice to have two guns. If you've got a whole lot, um, look at things, you know, prioritize then. Do I need to press more? Do I need a timer? Uh, you know, do I need a, a club membership? You know, a lot of guys would be well served by by looking at something like a club membership. Um, so while I, I, I wouldn't, because I'd never be able to stick to it, go, okay, by July 17th, I want to be able in a position to purchase eggs because um, I'd also have changed my mind by then. Um, what I would rather say is, what do I need more? So I've, I've got a gun. I want to shoot the game. I don't own a holster. Well... You need a holster. Um, I've got a reasonable holster. You know, I've, I've got a I've got a blade tech outside the waistband holster and a double mag pouch, but I don't have a reloading press. Maybe a square deal B is going to be a little bit more useful than a rig as your next purchase, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think that does. Um, there's also some odds and ends that uh, if you've been shooting for a while, you may need to start planning on replacing um, things like switching out your carry, no, not your carry mags, your, your primary match mags, making them practice mags and buying some new match mags is, is not a bad idea. Um, depending on how much you've shot them, but, um, at, at some point it's going to make more sense to spend money, buy a whole new set of match mags and just change, take your current match mags and make them your practice mags. Um, depending on what you shoot, that might be a relatively cheap endeavor, uh, but for other things that might be you know, really, really costly. Um, so something else to bear in mind with the, the equipment thing is stuff breaks, stuff gets old, stuff gets worn out, and you want to not necessarily dispose of the stuff that's worn out, but you might want to cycle those things back into, into training duty. Um, stuff mags, like mags that are broken that you should not be shooting, still have a purpose. They can be dry fire mags. As long as they'll, they'll seat in the gun and they'll... They'll, they'll release. Those are now your dry fire mags. Um, just don't shoot them anymore because they don't feed or whatever. Um, so don't get rid of the stuff unless it's no, absolutely fucked. Um, but start looking at what you have and be realistic on, on what you might need to replace throughout this year. Again, stock for some things but difficult at the moment. So it might uh, serve you well to get on the waiting list for some stuff if you need things. So I think to continue with, with this discussion is that part of your, if you're going through the process now of planning out your next year of shooting, part of that process and your budget and all of the things that we've discussed so far should involve maintenance of what you currently have in physical equipment, not necessarily just the training schedule or whatever. Make sure that you're applying maintenance of what you currently have, possibly growing the, the equipment that you have. Maybe you find yourself in a position where you're shooting enough now and you've, you've retained your goals and that now you want to run a backup competition gun and you've got all the other stuff and it's servicing you well, you're getting on the range, you're practicing, et cetera, then you can start looking at those things. So look at applying all of those things and thinking about it from quite a big overhead view to make sure that you, you, you're looking at everything and you're not sort of getting tunnel vision on certain things and, and ignoring or overlooking other important things. I think a big thing that we've overlooked so far in this whole planning out the year thing is um, it might be time to start buttering up the wife like now. B 
be because if you do this correctly, not the buttering up, but the shooting thing, she might not see you again until this time next year. So <laughs> if all goes score, well, score some brownie points now, <laughs> and then you know. Uh, that that is a, an important thing to consider. Um, sort of family life things for some people. <clears throat> some people have these little things that run around called children. Um, you probably need to occasionally like pay some attention to those things. Uh, not that I would know, but if, if you're listening to this, you are probably so fucked up that it's better that you don't go near children because you will fucking damage their brains. <laughs> so, so consider it a service to humanity that you reduce the time you spend with children. There you go. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> if you're going to be shooting big matches, um, nationals or level fours that are coming up or you're going to the world shoots as a as a uh, maybe the next one but after that uh you need to sort of plan your leave and stuff out too potentially um self-employed people are slightly different position but if you're employed uh you may need to plan out your leave and make sure that you you save up adequate uh time away from work in order to attend those matches uh it would kind of suck if you spend the whole year training, getting ready for this big match, and the week before you realize that you can't actually go because you have to work. Don't do that. Yeah. That would probably cause grumpiness. It, much grumpiness, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you're employed, you need to think of these things. Uh, if you're self-employed, you'll probably be working at the, old, uh, at the hotel room between sort of match days, so you can make it work. <laughs> Hopefully, you can have a good conversation with yourself. Exactly. Yeah, and then refuse to give yourself any leave. Yeah, my oh, my conversations with myself can get quite out of hand, eh? <laughs> have you ever considered firing yourself? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think something else that that's probably not a bad idea, and it's it's one of those things that people don't always think about don't be scared to make yourself accountable um, in that if you have sort of goals don't be scared to tell someone tell your mates tell your shooting buddies tell your wife tell your husband whatever um, that this this is what I want to do my my goal and it, it could be my goal is to shoot every club shoot my my club has this month this this year my goal could be to shoot every league your goal could be to you know, um, go go up a class, go up a classification, um, you know, make the super squad, what the fuck ever. Uh, but sometimes it helps to kind of put that out there so that you've made yourself a little bit more accountable. Um, you know, it, it's much easier to not say anything and then, like, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Uh, but, but sometimes it's a little bit easier to kind of push yourself. And, and often you'll find that, that your support structure might be more supportive. If you've kind of gone, well, I want to make the national team for 2024, uh, and this is the position you're in, you know, if, if you've got a good support structure, they may turn around and go, well, I know you're feeling lazy this morning, but you need to go to the ranch, as opposed to, yeah, yeah, no, stay at home. Um, so, you know, that's, that's something not everyone's lucky enough to have that, but it, it's a good idea to find someone you can kind of bounce that off of and 
so that if you have a disappointment, you can kind of mention it to them. Or if you have a success, you can mention it to them. But just someone to kind of keep you tempered in that as well. Maybe in, in addition to, to mentioning your shooting goals, um, for some people, because I know that I'm sort of like this, it might be a really good idea to mention the fitness requirements that go with shooting. Uh, not, I, I don't like going to the gym, never liked it. Fitness uh, mag into the skin. But if you... <laughs> <laughs> fitness whiskey into my... <laughs> um If you're doing martial arts and you don't feel like going, at least someone in your sports structure can go, dude, that's helping you with your shooting. It's helping you with your balance or it's helping you with your fitness, helping your endurance or whatever. Um, it, it'll help force you to go do some things that you might not enjoy. Um, now I'm not into the uh, whole healthy eating, jogging 10 kilometers a morning sort of stuff. Um, and I guess if you are, you probably don't need someone to tell you to go do that. But if you're not into that stuff, but you should be doing it, might be a good idea to mention that to someone so they can go, hey, dude, you're being fucking lazy. Because going to the gym isn't always fun, I guess. No, no. No, it's not always fun. But if you revert back to why you're going to gym, it makes it a whole lot easier, you know? Exactly. Uh, having that additional sport structure. So I, I sort of, I've started making it a little bit more of a habit of telling people that I trust what my goals are. Um, especially the bigger ones, because number one, it holds me a little bit more accountable. So it's going to make me work a bit harder, uh, or make sure that I continue working the way I have been working. And, um, secondly, it's to initiate some sort of support structure so that if I do run into some sort of dilemma or problem or, or whatever we want to call it, I can revert back and say, I've run into this issue. Can you help me through it? Or they might come to you and say, what's going on? You're not practicing or you're not going to gym or, or whatever the case is they can try and get you back on the right track. That support structure from having done that is quite important. You don't have to be all on your own. Thanks. It's easier if you're not all on your own. Yeah. It's a hell of a lot easier. Uh, yeah. Also helps when you've got uh, like real dicks for friends who will call you on not doing stuff. Uh, that's, that's part of the that's support. Better. I'm, not, I'm not saying go out and make dicks for friends, but <laughs> if you have them yeah, already, it's, it's useful. <laughs> yeah, if you have them already, it's useful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, did, I, I think it wasn't just people that you trusted. I think you told the whole world your goal on the Steve Anderson podcast. Yeah, I did. No, that one I did. I mean, that, but, but tip, that's sort of the ultimate in making yourself accountable. Yes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Big balls. Gaz has really big balls. Then he's just smiling. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, T-Bag, one for you. Um, defensive versus competition stuff. Uh, how do you lay out your sort of practice time? How do you split it between the two? And how do you make sure that you don't neglect one? We know the one that's going to get neglected will pretty much always be carry gun skills, but... Yeah, oh, because it's less fun. Um, it's... <sighs> There's a couple of ways you can do it. I mean, it's a little bit easier for me because I have a range at work. So, um, you know, it's, it's easier to, you know, it doesn't take me two hours to set up a 30-minute shooting uh, thing because I don't have to drive to the range. But what I would suggest is make time for it when you're practicing. So, you know, what I, what I used to do when I didn't have a range at work is when I went to, when I went to do a practice session at the range, I'd finish it off with 50 or 100 rounds of a carry gun. 
Um, it's it's not a huge amount of shooting, um, but if 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 you're shooting a, a a hell of a lot, you don't you don't need to get shit tons of uh, of, of of rounds through your carry gun. Um, obviously, more is better within reason, but. Yeah. So what I would suggest is when you go to the range to go practice with your uh, with your competition gun, uh, keep some ammo aside. As I say, even if it's fifty rounds, I wouldn't I wouldn't do less than that because I don't think you're going to do anything of any value. Um, and put your carry gun on in your carry holster, uh, and and get a target that's that's humanoid and do some sort of realistic sort of drills from concealment, something something that resembles how you're carrying the gun. So if you're carrying the gun in a moon bag because, I don't know, you're, you think it's 1992 or you're European, um, then draw it out the moon bag. Find, find a way to do that. If, you, if, you're, <coughs> if you're carrying on an ankle, draw from an ankle. Um, but get those reps in. Um, and the same with dry fire. Make some time to do some dry fire stuff with the carry gear. Uh, I, I'm not saying it has to be more than your competition stuff because it honestly probably isn't going to be um, probably not going to be equal because that's just the nature of people. But if you can keep on top of that, uh, you know, and, and you're, the, you're not, you know, I speak to guys who haven't shot their carry gun in three years who are really iron shooters. That's a problem. Uh, that's that's not ideal because they can still often shoot those guns pretty well. But but things like drawing them from a from quite a different holster. Yeah, the the, the carry gun specific skills uh, start deteriorating. So the shooting might still be really good, but the the, the carry gun specific skills, the reloading from concealment, the, the drawing from concealment, that kind of stuff tends to uh, one get neglected, and two, it's it's amazing how quickly they deteriorate. So you'll still be able to do it, but if you use a timer, you would be amazed at how much, how far your draw speed slips uh, if you haven't paid attention to it in a couple of weeks. Um, greatly, shockingly. There's also things like, um, you know, that, that, that come in as we see guys then shooting everything twice and, and moving along because that's what they do in, in their sport. Um, that's not necessarily going to be the best the best thing to do with your self-defense gun uh, you know the it's so there's things like that there's the you know there are while the majority of stuff that we do in competition does translate pretty well to defensive stuff there are some things that that don't translate well uh, and we need to be aware of that as well um so that we're not you know we're not, we're not developing habits bad habits where we're, we're driving guns across no shoots, you know, prepping the trigger while we do that. Uh, in a match, that's that's 10 points or five seconds or whatever. Um, but I don't, I don't want to be doing that in a, in a defensive situation. So I, I, I shoot my carry gun on, on generally IDPA-style targets with heads. I, and, I, I, you know, I, I do drills on that. And I shoot my IPSIC stuff on IPSIC targets. Um, and I don't, uh, I, I don't, I never shoot my carry on an Epsic target. I may shoot it at a BA to do something like the test. I might shoot it on a, on a dot torture, which is quite a nice idea, um, you know, because there's lots of draws in it. So if, if you want to get a, a 
quick little, you know, 50 round exercise in with your carry gun. Um, a dot torture can be quite a useful one. I wouldn't do that as the only practice with it, but it's quite a nice one because it's a 50 round draw, drill with more than 25 draws, I think. Um, so, you know, there's, and, and, and from a defensive gun, and, and this is, this is also something I was discussing with someone on the internet recently. Not just, you know, priorities of skill. Um, so on a, on, on a competition, if, you, if, if you're a classic shooter in IPSC, you need to, you need to, like reloads need to be a big part of your game because on, with a 12-round short course, you, you're going to end up reloading on almost every stage you ever shoot. Um, if you're an open shooter, um, you've got to reload twice a match if it's a big match. Uh, so you're going to need to focus on on other stuff. It might be more aggressive shooting on the move, that sort of thing. If with your with your your defensive gun, and, and once again, I'm not saying don't do other things, but if, if if you've got a three second draw and a one second reload, there's a priority issue there. Um, you know, your your biggest priorities with a self defense gun, besides being able to handle it safely is the ability to get it into action and, and hit um, pretty tight accuracy standards relatively quickly. Um, whereas your your ability to, to, to do a blinding fast reload, it, it, unless you're in law enforcement or CIT or something, in the real world of work is, is pretty unlikely. Um, so you need to be able to, and, and that, that might involve it taking three seconds because your reality is that you have to carry a man holster. Um, but it's, it's maximizing that sort of thing. And the harder it is, the more important it is. So if you're carrying an ankle holster or whatever, you need to spend even more time, even if it's just dry, working on accessing that gun. But it, it's important that we kind of, you know, I've always kind of put it as, as I want to spend 95% of my time focusing on 95% solutions. Um, to do a one, you can do a one second concealed reload, but you're going to, you're probably going to spend 95% of your practice time on it. And it's probably valuable 5% of the time. Um, if you get in a, a defensive shooting, you're going to have to get in the, the gun in your hand somehow. Chances are it's not going to be in your hand. So the ability, and it doesn't need to actually, it doesn't need to be a one second draw. It's nice, but it's not, it, it, it's not the end of the world but the ability to get that gun out is going to be important safely um, because if you're carrying a small gun under a lot of concealment, uh, we need to be able to do that without fingers getting into triggers and things. And then the ability to hit a realistic anatomical target, not the great big brown thing, um, but, you know, sort of the black on a B8. Um, and, and I would rather you could, you know, you, you worked on that and only that and never did a reload with your carry gun. Um, then you spent all your time doing reloads and parachute landing falls and weekend shooting and shooting under cars and all the shit that looks awesome on the grams. If you can't do the basics of on demand, draw your pistol and hit the black on a B8 10 times out of 10 at five meters. Um, you know, if, if you can't do that, don't worry about anything else. Once you can do that, make sure that you're doing it in under two seconds. Once you can do that, start worrying about other shit. But until you can do that, um, 
the other shit is substantially less important. And fun fact, the better you are at that, the less likely the other shit is ever going to come into play. Uh, I had someone on the, other, the other day on the internet make a comment about, well, if you find yourself in a situation where it's a mall robbery, there might be 15 armed guys. And I hate to say this, but if it's you in a fight against 15 armed guys who are um, actively fighting you, how many mags you have in your belt is probably not going to affect the outcome of that fight. Um, yeah. Yeah. How it's, fast you run is. Yep. So just uh, to, to explain that, at least to, to put into perspective the uh, diminishing returns, um, I listened to a podcast with Caleb Giddings. Uh, if you guys don't know, he is Gunnuts Media, uh, Top Shots competitor, Top Shot 1, I think. Um where he was talking about what he did to earn his fast coin. And he spent something like three weeks and a massive amount of time per day and every day working just the draw. Um, and then I think he did something similar working his reloads in order to get that done um, for, a, for a low probability skill or, or low probability skill that's needed. It's probably not worth spending that kind of time getting a, a one-second reload pretty much for most people. Um, so he, he worked the draw to the point that the reload didn't necessarily make an, a big impact on that fast coin. Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, that's, that's not. What I'm saying is he spent something like three weeks just working the draw. Just the draw. Okay. Okay. And then he spent something similar, I think a little bit shorter than that, but something similar to that, just working the reload. But he spent three weeks just on the draw every single day, I think a couple of hours a day, just on the draw in order to earn his fast coin. Um, draw is important. And like I said, then he spent something similar to that doing reloads in order to get the fast coin because reloading is, is part of the, the, the challenge of fast coin. Um, the amount of time he had to put in to get that stuff down to a level where that was attainable was, I don't want to say madness because it really paid off for him, but it was a lot. Most people are not willing to do the work to have a one second reload from concealment um, because it's a lot of work. A one second draw from concealment is work. A one second reload from concealment is a hell of a lot more work. At least for, yes, for, for context. So, so, well, I think for most humans, um, for context, to, to get a fast coin, it, it involves drawing from concealment or a retention, like a law enforcement retention holster, um, firing two shots to a three by five card in the head, doing a reload from concealment and putting four shots uh, in an 18 circle in the body, twice in a row, both under five seconds. Ah, okay. Um, so yeah. not five seconds, 4.99 seconds or less. Um, and then to get the coin, you've got to do that in front of now it's Ernest Langdon. It used to be Todd Lewis Green. Um, so it's, uh, it's mechanically a, a relatively difficult thing. Um, plus, obviously, the pressure of it's kind of like that, you know, world, world shoot sort of shoot off sort of thing where, you know, you've, you've spent six months practicing for this thing and now it happens. Um, so that's why he had to break that down because... You know, if you if you break it down, that, and I can't remember the numbers off the head, but 
off the top of my head, but it's sort of a case of if you've got a 1.5 second draw, that gives you 0.5 of a second to get the next headshot in. So that, you know, half a second, so that's two seconds. And then a second and a half for the, the reload, that's going to give you three and a half seconds uh, or, or two seconds for the reload. And that's going to give you, um, you know, the next three shots in the body need to be 33 splits. So uh, the the individual, you know, the individual segments of it are not, they're, they're, they're tough. They're not ridiculous, but it's putting it all together twice on demand. Uh, you know, so yeah, I think I think the way Todd, Todd Green used to break it down is a one and a half second draw, um, a 50 split to the headshot, or a, a two second reload, and then 0.33 splits for the, the subsequent three body shots. Because obviously the first one is the is the reload, and that'll get you that'll get you in the time if my maths is right. Yeah, um, I think that's right. Yeah. So none of that is. You know, it, you've got a, you've got a, you've, you've got tight but but doable sort of time t- time limits, um, relatively tight accuracy limits, but there's zero room for error. Um, there's no Charlies. There's no, uh, you know. So if you get one of those headshots out of the three by five, I think it's a second penalty sort of thing. Um, yeah. So you'll be done. You out. So, so it's. So that's why he had to kind of break it down like that so that he could build those sort of skills. Um, Chuck Taylor, um, who passed away this year, uh, was was one of um, Jeff Cooper's instructors back in the day. Uh, and he wrote, I must have read this 30 years ago because I'm old, um, about how he worked really hard to do a one-second reload with a single-stack 1911 without a magwell, you know, just with a beveled magwell, uh, not, a, not an external magwell. Um, and I think his wife at the time said, so you could do it in a second. And his wife at the time said, well, do you have to spend as much time for a second and a half? And he realized he'd reached the sort of skill point where he could do that in a second and a half or two seconds. I, I can't remember the exact numbers. I know it was the one second reload was the thing that he was aiming at. But he didn't have to spend shit tons of repetitions to get that. So it was a prioritization thing again of do I spend – two hours a day of practicing reload so I can do a one second reload on demand or do I do two hours an hour a week as part of my other practice and have a one and three quarter second reload on demand uh, and spend that other time on other things exactly yeah that's exactly where I was going it's the it's the diminishing returns there comes a point where the amount of time you need to spend to get to that arbitrary set goal uh, outweighs the benefit of reaching that goal greatly. I mean, if you're if you're spending like three weeks just practicing reloads for a single draw, um, like the fast coin's worth it. I would love to have a fast coin, uh, but if 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 it's just the goal that you set for yourself and it isn't sort of based in reality for defensive encounters, uh, it's probably not worth spending massive amounts of time to hit that goal. Um, it's worth spending time to hit something that is realistic for defensive encounters, though. Um, so don't don't get those mixed up. Um, like doing a 0.8 second draw from concealment would be fantastic, but you'd probably be well served with a one and a half second draw from concealment uh, in a defensive encounter generally. And the amount of time you need to dedicate to just the drawing skill to go from a one and a half second to a 0.8 second draw is massive. And if you don't do that for a week, you'll lose that point eight. Also, jokes aside, 
If you've got a point eight draw and walking up a flight of stairs requires you to stand still and catch your breath, um, you need to spend a little bit less time dry firing and shooting a little bit more time on Cordia. Uh And that, that you know, that's that's a a reality as well. You know, it's it, it's a discussion we've had offline on on some sort of similar stuff, but the the shooting skills required to to prevail in most gunfights are not world shoot winning level skills um maybe you're better off on that side being a bit more of a complete package uh, um you know having having some head skills having some talking skills you know sort of de-escalation skills spending spending time on on things like that spending time on you know going for a run punching things in the face whatever um doing jiu-jitsu if you're a winner but finding that, you know, it's it, it's finding that realistic bat, balance and not focusing everything on, on the one thing that either you're good at or that's fun. Um, you know, if you've got the time and money, you know, the, on, on TPI, they used to have a, a, a discussion years and years ago about Todd. Um, and the concept of Todd was Todd's kind of the ultimate bad guy. Um, so, you know, Todd, Todd gets up in the morning, has a shower, does two hours of jiu-jitsu, goes home, goes to the gym, goes to the range. Uh, Todd has a point eight concealed draw. Todd has a, you know, and, and, and yes, there's that whole concept of, of that. Uh, but you've got to do other shit in the middle, um, which, which people sometimes forget about as well. Uh, and... And sometimes it helps to be a little bit more, you know, we, we, we want to kind of be as close to that as possible. But realistically, you know, if you've, if you've got a 1.2 second on-demand concealed carry draw, maybe now it is time to, to work those reloads or, or, or work those strong hand weekend stages because maybe those would be more useful than a one-second concealed carry draw or, or, or the 0.8 concealed carry draw. Uh, once again, based on how much time you've got, if you if your budget allows you fifty rounds of ammunition a month, um, and that's realistic, you know, it, it's it's not a it's not a value judgment. It's it's one of those things. What can you do to maximise that? Well, you can you can spend more time dry firing. Um, maybe competition isn't for you then. Like jokes aside, as much as I like competition, if your reality is that you you don't have the time or money. Um, or the ability to shoot more than 50 rounds in a month, um, then I, I think you're wasting your time sort of trying to be competitive with that. I think you would be better off taking your carry gun um, and, and trying to work, you know, try and work basic skills with that, doing a lot of dry fire. Uh, and then, you know, maybe, maybe your goal should be a 1.5 second sort of reasonable draw on demand. Uh, as opposed to having this wide range of skills because those are nice to have, um, but reality dictates that might not be where you find yourself right now. By the same token, if you've got the money to shoot 30,000 rounds a year or 50,000 rounds a year and you've got the, 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 the time to go shoot matches and all of that um, and you've got the time to go to the range, well then don't go to your local indoor range with 1,000 rounds of ammo and and turn money into noise, um, you know, twice a week or, or, or twice a month and, and, and think that you're doing anything productive. And you get guys like that. They pitch up with a bucket of bullets 
and they think it, and it's time to go home when the bucket is empty. Um, if 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 that's your situation, then yeah, get into something competitive. Go 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 focus those skills a little bit more because it'll it'll improve your shooting in in a variety of ways. Yeah, and and sometimes your thousand round bucket lasts you four hours because you have the time, but other times you show up half an hour before you have to go to lunch with important people. And now you only have to make those thousand rounds last 30 minutes. Uh, you're not learning anything. You're, you're, you're wasting ammo, you're wasting money, and you're probably deteriorating your skills through doing that. Um, because you're, you're getting so many repetitions in of stuff that is potentially bad in such a short period of time that it's going to take you a massive amount of time and effort to unlearn that if you ever figure out that you're doing it wrong. Uh, so don't do that. Um, spend your time and your energy wisely uh, in a way that's going to improve your skill. And sometimes the way that's going to improve your skill is not fun. It doesn't make a lot of noise per second. Um, it might just make clicks for hours at, at a time without making any bangs. Um, but you need to prioritize that stuff. Um, at building Batman thread where, uh, what would you do if you were going to be the ultimate warrior one day and you had to start today is a really fascinating read. Uh, I really enjoyed reading that. Most people do not have the time to do that stuff. You need to sit down and look at your reality and, and figure out what you can realistically do and then prioritize skill that you need to work on, um, based on where you are currently in terms of skill level, um, where you need to be, you need to close those gaps, the time and ammo that you have available. And if you don't know which skills to prioritize and you don't know which skills you have sort of down versus which ones you're completely lacking, go attend some competent training. Um, a good fundamental school. It doesn't have to be anything fancy, flashy, roll around the ground shit. Um, if you go and attend a really solid fundamental course, they're going to highlight so many things that you may be really terrible at or you might be pretty good at already, but that can definitely need, uh, use some some time dedicated to them to improve them in the future. Um, go attend a competent fundamentals class. It'll give you stuff to work on if you're not sure what you need to work on. And that goes not just for new shooters. So new shooters fundamentals classes are really important. Please go and attend them. Um, but I try and attend a fundamentals class every single year. Um, not because I need, sorry, in inverted quotes or commas, not because I need the fundamentals, but because I get lazy and I stop practicing some of the stuff that's truly important to shooting really well, uh, because I start focusing on other stuff and I go to a fundamentals class and I get humbled on some of the draws where a lot of the stuff I'm out shooting the other guys in the course by a significant margin and some of the stuff I'm just no good because I haven't been working it. It really highlights that. Totally worth doing every year or multiple times a year if time and money allows. Well, sir, I I think it's important to find relevant training. And I think this is something we've mentioned on the show before, but you know, we see the guys who go on some sort of course where they're decked out in plate carriers and um, evil black rifles and all the cool guy shit. And they're doing team, you know, house entry tactics and all of that. And you go, Oh, awesome. What do you do for a living? I'm an accountant. Um, if you want to do tactical band camp, that's cool. You know, like, LARPing is cool as long as you understand that you're LARPing. Um, don't do that and think it's going to it's going to improve your defensive skill set. Because if you left that course, took all the gear off, 
and stuck a Smith & Wesson shield in your right front pocket, um, which you haven't shot in two years, then that wasn't training. And as I say, that's, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not uh, sort of beating on, on that sort of thing. As I say, if, if that's your thing, that's cool. But understand that you're doing it as a pastime, just, just like all the gamer fags are doing their game as a pastime. Don't think you're doing that as a defensive thing. And yes, shooting is shooting. It's going to make you better. But just like the gamer fag, shoot your carry gun from your carry gear as, as well. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that sometimes self-awareness is, can, can be a little bit challenging. Um, so make sure that what you're doing, if it's defensive stuff, fits in with your reality. And if it's competition stuff, fits in with your reality. Um, you know, if, you, if, if your game is ISU pistol, then doing bull drills is probably not going to do a hell of a lot for that game. Um, if your game is IPSC, shooting some hind legs, 50 meter bullseye um, is going to be soul destroying, but it, it may be somewhat good for your game. Uh, but it's, it's making sure that, that all of us have some sort of time or financial restriction. It, for some people, it's much bigger than, than, than for others, but, but we all have it. So, so make sure that you're maximizing that. Make sure that whatever you're doing is going to, to best sort of support um, the things that are important to you. Uh, and as I say, that, that could be um, steel challenge. You, you, your goal could be to shoot a 60-second steel challenge or whatever a good time on a steel challenge is. Uh, that's cool. Um, once again, practicing reloads endlessly is not going to help you win a steel challenge. Uh, well, um, unless your, your, your shooting skill sucks, right? Because then you're going uh, you're to not gonna a lot of reloads. <laughs> no, you're not going to win that. For the record, uh, doing reloads during a steel challenge match is bad on the clock. They're five, they're five shot runs. So if you've got to do a reload in the middle there, you're no longer in the in, in the running for that, that that stage. So it's and that's the thing, you know. If, as I say, if, if if your game is IDPA, then you need to be able to understand how to do IDPA things. Um, so it's spending that time um, focusing on the skills that that are gonna are, are gonna best improve it. If that's what you want, if if your goal is to this weekend, go shoot a bit more DPA. Next weekend, go shoot some clays. Next weekend, shoot some IPSC. Next weekend, shoot some PRS. And, and all you want to do is, is, is smell gunpowder. Then rock on. Um, but don't think you're going to do that and win whatever that sport is nationals if, if that's kind of how you're, you're approaching it. Um, if, if, if your goal is, is a more competitive one, you're, you're like a gas, your, your goal is, is sort of high end results. Um, then you're going to be, have to be a bit more like a gas and, and shoot a lot less for fun. Um, not that, that it's not fun shooting, but that's not, you're not going to the range just to make noise and, and shoot shotgun, you know, shells and break cinder blocks with slugs. Um, so it, it's 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 tempering your your goals, tempering your desires with the reality, um, which is kind of what Kone hits on in the beginning of this, and what what Gaz hit on at the beginning of this. It's going what what do I realistically want, uh, and 
and kind of building your your plan around that to kind of um, go back to the actual show topic, as I recall. Uh, it was a long time ago. Um, but it's it's it, it's building that plan around that and being able to adjust it. So your goal is to win nationals this year and you find out that actually um, you're going to have a baby in August. Well, if you're a better person than me, you're probably going to change your goals and be more focused on on sort of preparing for the family. Um, if you your goal was to shoot every club match and all of a sudden you find out that you're shooting three times a month and you've, you've sold your golf bats and, you know, thrown away your fishing stuff and, and this is all that matters to you in life, well, maybe your goal needs to stop being to shoot every club shoot and it now needs to, to kind of be based on a, on a performance improvement or, or something like that. Yeah, I, I guess for some people, tendons could be a good goal, especially if you're likely to not go if it is not in your goals. But I don't think attendance is a good goal in general. Um, it's like that participation trophy thing where uh, I don't care how I do, I just want to sign the register at the range because then I've attended. Like that's kind of iffy on the... I, I, I feel the same as you, but I'm trying very hard not to project what what I want, if that makes sense. As I said, for um, some people, that probably makes perfect yeah. sense as a goal, especially if you're likely to not go. Um, if you're if you're dedicated to doing the thing, that's probably not a good goal. If you want to do the thing, but you're not dedicated to it, that's a fantastic goal because you probably won't go unless you like explicitly say, I will attend all of these. Uh, so completely with you there. It's, there is just a cut of point where that stops being a Good idea. <laughs> so, some some people like participation trophies. I don't get it. Um, and a few years ago, I was slightly more aggressive about it. As I'm getting older, I still don't get it. Um, but uh, you do be um, if that's if that's going to get you shooting, um, and and maybe that's a step towards something as well. You know, maybe that's uh, uh, Anko. A little while ago, was a lot less serious about what he wanted out of shooting. He just wanted to go to the range and shoot matches. And he's now progressed um, that he's, you know, his, his shooting has come a hell of a long way when he's not breaking guns um, That since that time. But had he have at that time gone, well, I'm going to do a gas because gas has become a verb. Um, you know, I'm going to eat, sleep and breathe shooting dry fire. That's all I'm going to do. It may have lasted two weeks, and, and then he would have gone back to cooking. Uh, so, I, I I don't I I don't necessarily understand it, um, but I think for some people that that can work. Um, yeah, it's, for me, it's I useful. Need, I need I need goals. I, I, I personally I need to be I need stretch goals. Otherwise, I just I, my ADD kicks in and I go <laughs> fuck around with something else. Yep. I think we're pretty similar in that vein. I'm better um, looking there. Which is what? Well, better looking to the blind. I have a, I have an actual beardish. A beardish. I, I can actually grow a beardish. <laughs> I shave my. No, no, no. You grow a beardish just like me. You don't grow a beard. You grow a beardish. I have a beardish. Kind of. I, sh I okay. shave mine. Okay. Because I get Hang annoyed on. with it. 
neither of you have a fairly salt and pepper head with a ginger beard. Okay. <laughs> and it's beard is to top it off. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, then you'd look like me. <laughs> we, we don't win many things, but I think in this instance we're winning. <laughs> oh, I'll take that. I'll take a few gray hairs in my beard as opposed to uh... <laughs> the alternative. <laughs> um, I guess something just as we get towards wrapping this up, um, it's important to prioritize some fun too. Um, we went to go shoot some plays yesterday. 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 Yeah. Um, for the 2020 Welcome to the Gun Show official play champion is the Gaylord. Followed by Corn. Trailed like <laughs> three fields away by me. Um, but yes, the 2020 Welcome to the Gun Show play champion is Mr. Garrett John Evans. Mr. Garrett John Evans, um, it showed that he had done that in a past life. Um, he shot it really well. Um, I didn't shoot too poorly for a dude who hasn't done it in probably 20 years, <laughs> maybe more. Um, but it's besides the point, it's important to prioritize some fun, um, set good goals, work towards them, work hard, but occasionally take a break, take your mates, go do something fun, something where the outcome isn't the point of the thing. Um, I mean, for Gaz, it obviously was the outcome was important, but us <laughs> <laughs> were just having a jaw, which is important. It's it's good to to break away from things and and at least add some time to go do that kind of stuff to your plans for the year. Um, don't just think that we you can focus a hundred percent of the time. It's not going to work. Sorry, T. For the record, all of us got our asses kicked by a fucking weird Austrian shooting compact clays. With the Saiga 12. That's true. Yeah. I, he I had more fun than anyone. <laughs> yeah. I still don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I was shooting a suboptimal gun for this discipline. Um, like, like I got there and people were like, yeah, shooting this with an optic is a really bad idea. Um, he shot it with a really bad idea with an optic. And <laughs> <laughs> still won. Yeah. <laughs> No, that was good fun. And I think it's important to do the fun bit too. Very, no, I know very you're important. right. I also find it sort of related to that for me. It, it's one of the reasons why I try and shoot at a, a couple of different um, sort of disciplines. Um, I find, you know, I, I, I fuck around a bit with rifle, but, you know, I shoot pistol relatively seriously. I shoot shotgun relatively seriously. Um, one of the things I want to do for 2021 is shoot uh, PCC relatively seriously with the selection matches and that. Um, and I find it's for me, and, and, and it might just be me, it's a little bit easier for me to, to kind of keep the work fun when it's not the same thing all the time. Um, mm. It may not be the, the, the best way to get that, that last percent or two of performance, sadly, um, but I know for me, it, it also keeps me engaged and stops me um, chasing chasing squirrels. Yeah, and, and a lot of the skills are transferable. They're not necessarily massively useful in other disciplines, but they are transferable. They do help. Um, so, so spreading don't spread the love too thin, but spreading the love a little bit is helpful. It does help with motivation and 
it does sometimes force you to work some skills that you otherwise wouldn't. Important skills, but that you otherwise wouldn't ever touch. So, good Yeah, and, and lessons that you learn across all those disciplines can also be applied to the one that you're working hardest towards. Mm. You know, it doesn't have to be directly transferable through skill. It could be directly transferable through learning. Exactly. I mean, you, you know, if, you, if, if you're sort of pistol-centric, if that's your big goal and you shoot the occasional shotgun match, using IPC as an example, um, while the mechanical skill of shooting the two guns is very different, uh, the, the really unforgiving stage planning nature of, of, of shotgun stages um, could just benefit you when you go shoot your pistol. Uh, and because it's it's kind of, you know, you, you're getting that confidence to run the gun closer to empty, so maybe you take a slightly more aggressive plan. Um, and, and you have to look at that stage and, and find the most efficient way to do it. You know, if, if jokes aside, shooting shooting classic and then going to standard is is a similar sort of thing, but not not quite as big a, you know, it's not quite as unforgiving. Um, so there's there's things like that where even though on the face of it it looks quite different, um, there are there are things that are going to help you with with that sort of process. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. I reckon and if you, you take a sorry. classic shooter, like a like a really good not, not me, like a really good classic shooter. <laughs> I'll like, like no, no, well, yes, Albert, but I I meant like if you take like Mike Seagland or Rob. Kone said you're not very good. Or Rob Latham or one of those. Vessels. Kone Fundriel said you're not that good. I uh, think you're really good. Gaz thinks you're really good. Kone thinks you're okay. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> those of you who don't know, Albert's biceps are about the size of it. I don't know, a small cow. Not a small cow's leg. <laughs> a small, small cow. cow. Yep. <laughs> I reckon if you could take a really, really top-notch classic shooter and teach them to be aggressive enough to shoot standard, they would be fucking amazing. Because they won't be scared to run on that ragged edge in terms of plan. Uh, and that's that's why most classic shooters just don't work as standard shooters, because they're really good at running at the ragged edge of the plan, but they're really careful about their sh- what they do because they have no spare. Um, and you could take oh, like a aside. Re- Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Jokes aside, you, you watch Albert run a production gun or a, as an example, I, I think his time in Classic has definitely helped him. Something I've seen as well is, and as much as guys like to make fun of them, a fair amount of really solid IDPA shooters have moved across to Ipsic. And as a rule, those guys are, while they may not always be the top guys, they're always high-end shooters. I mean, in, in Classic, you look at Ian van der Bank, um, he's coming with a major gun and he's crushing it uh, because he's He's come from a side where he's used to running the gun till it's empty. Um, yep. You know, there's there isn't the safety margin. So, yeah, I I, I kind of get with your analogy. I think uh, I think there's definitely a benefit to. I think there's a benefit to shooting classic as much as I make fun of you for it. Um, it's probably my second favorite division to shoot. Um, the favorite one being standard shotgun, right? Second favorite <laughs> pistol division to shoot. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, that that stuff that does, you know, that 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 sort of cross pollination, that that time shooting other things. Uh, you know, if you look at, at Jim Cirillo and Bolello, they shot PPC and Bullseye, and, and then NYPD Sakeout Squad, they shot a lot of people, really, really accurately. All um, the people. 
So, like double figures of people. Um, there's 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 a lot to be said for that. That not being a one trick pony. Um, you know, I mean, you you put a gun in Gaz's hand. I reckon if we took Gaz to a PRS match and showed him how a fucking Kestrel would, um, he, he probably wouldn't win it, but he'd probably make a few guys nervous. I think um, jokes on you. He wouldn't even need the Kestrel to be <laughs> a lot of the field. Not the entire field, but a lot of the field. I mean, we we saw it, it like yeah. yesterday. Like we're we're concerned about the lead and where to look when the thing comes out and Gaz just goes, I want it to die, so it dies. <laughs> Boom. Oh yeah, that's how it works. Uh, yeah, I think there's there's a and I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think it's it, it's good for you as a shooter to be a, a little bit more round, well-rounded. So maybe maybe that's another goal for 2021, um, I guess. Uh, maybe that's another sort of worthwhile goal for 2021 is if you are if you are a competitive shooter, maybe it's to go spend a little bit of time doing something different. Um, you know, if you're an IDPA shooter, go shoot a couple of IPSC matches. The people in, a, in the bright shirts won't buy too much. Um if you're a, an Ipswich shooter, go shoot a couple of IDPA matches. You're allowed to now. Um, go find your fishing vest and and try something different. And and don't be the dude who goes who arrives at their match and tells them how shit it is. Um, you can do that if you've won. Uh, but you know it's it might be a it might be a good thing for you to to try something different. You go shoot a PRS match. You probably know someone who will let you use their gear or. You know, go to range, shoot some clays or, or whatever. Um, but maybe that's a, a worthwhile goal this year. Not to go, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, you're a dude who's on the national team in Prick and Skeet and now you're going to try and make the national team in Ipswich in a year. Uh, but maybe go shoot a couple of matches. Try, try, try something new. Try something, try and get your brain to work slightly differently. It also eases a little bit of that um, um, sort of performance anxiety, where if you're the top ski shooter in the country, if you go to a match and you're not the top ski shooter at the match, that's a problem uh, in terms of uh, self-image. But if you go shoot something else, you're not so much focused on the, I need to win this, you're focused on the process, which helps. Um, even if the, the skills aren't directly transferable, the, the fact that you're now being shown how to pay attention to some stuff again that you're not used to could help you in your actual discipline that you're, you're top dog in um, to notice something that you could improve. Um, that taking that pressure away and going to do something that is fun or less pressured is a really good idea. It, it, it helps. I think also relates it to that. Most of us as shooters are, are generally trying to get other people involved in, in, in the cult, I mean, in the sport. Um, you know, m most shooters are, are often trying to, you know, we, we, we want to we wanna invite other people to try a sport. We, you know, like, and, and we've discussed this in shows before. Guys will loan you whatever gear to shoot a match. Um, going and doing something different might also give you a slightly better understanding of, of how that, that dude or that girl feels when they came to your match that you've been shooting for 10 years and you know how this shit works and you don't quite understand 
you know, or you might even find, even worse, find yourself getting slightly frustrated because this new person's a little bit nervous or doesn't know how things work or because we were all the new guy once. Um, so maybe by getting that new guy, you know, being the new guy or the new girl somewhere different, um, maybe it'll, it'll, and I'm not saying this is a negative that, that you're addicted, you're addicted to people, but I mean, I'm addicted to people, but maybe what you'll find is it's a little bit easier to understand how that new person feels and, and maybe it'll better equip you to be better at, at welcoming them to the sport. Um, when you remember what it's like to be the new guy, uh, and remember, and, and when you remember how nice it is that people are so welcoming. Um, so, you know, it's, that's my philanthropy for the year, but maybe, maybe there's a little bit of benefit from that as well. It also helps show you what, um, so yeah, it, it helps show you what it feels like being the new guy, but it also helps show you that things that you take for granted and as obvious actually aren't. Mm. Um, I mean, our, our top like clay shooter that was with us yesterday was fantastic. Uh, but there was a lot of stuff that he would take for granted because he's been doing it for so long where we look at it and I'm like, I don't know how to stand. <laughs> yeah. And he's not going to walk over and go, you stand like this. I have to go, how do I stand? And he goes, no problem, dude. This is how you do it. I'll show you. Um, but having that experience again, where you're like, um, all these Ipsic dudes are doing all these weird imaginary things. What the fuck are they doing? I've never seen this in my life. Um, they'll explain it to you, but they're probably not going to explain it to you just because you're going to have to go, the fuck are you clowns doing? And then they'll explain it. Um, it's a, it's a when, good way of learning. When do I load my gun? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, when, when, when can I pick it up? When can I load my gun? When, um, you know, where, where can I handle this? And, you know, we, we know in an IPSC range how it works, um, but it, it's different in a clay range. It, it, I don't know. I have no idea how it works in a PRS range because I, maths is not a hobby for me. Um, but yeah, I think that's exactly it. It's most guys will be really helpful with any questions you ask them. Um, the big challenge is oftentimes new guys don't know what questions to ask. Um, so experienced guys don't know how to answer the questions you haven't asked. Uh, so that might just help you when you now take the new guy to that place that you know so well. And the obvious thing, like this is the safety area, this is how it works or whatever. Um, you might be a little bit better at explaining to them why we, why we do what we do. Uh, and that that's going to benefit all of us in the long term. You know, the, the, the more people we have shooting, the better. Uh, and, and the more people we have hanging around, the, you know, the, the guy who comes to one shoot or the girl who comes to one shoot, wonderful. Uh, the guy who girl who, who now gets involved in the sport, um, A, it takes the load of the unfun stuff and reduces it that little bit. Uh, you know, if you've got more people helping, um, that means that your share of that's been, been reduced slightly. Um, and it's, it's good for growing the sport. Exactly. Awesome. Mr. Evans, I sent you've rejoined us after your, uh, your phone died. The malfunction. Uh, after the malfunction. If there isn't anything else that you and T would like to add to this, um, and I'm not sure there might be. So the only thing that I want to put in is, um, 
I think this was Brian Enos. He's, he said, get interested in your shooting. Uh, and on top of that, I would, I would like to say, just get proactive in your progress. Uh, if you're proactive in, in what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how much of it you're going to do, that's going to help you along quite nicely because you'll be able to manage everything better. That makes sense. Well put, dude. Um, yeah. I like We're not going to top that. No, that's, so, the, that's the closing quote. <laughs> later, losers. 